Saturday Night Live, they would have Jimmy Fallon doing that voice as like uh, a radio host. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. <laughs> I actually did kind of like Jimmy Fallon when he was on Saturday Night Live. Um, I hated him even I, more because he broke every single sketch he was in. Yeah, no, like any any sketch where it was like he actually did a good job and didn't break character at all. Yeah, you know, it, was, it was great. Those were great. Those were great. Welcome back to Chainsaw Matinee. Everybody take your seats. We have such sights to show you. I'm Kai. I'm Marty. I'm your virgin director, Hannah Boyens. Action! How did hey. they know she yeah. had <laughs> I was Yay. gonna say I'm Marty Mancuso. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, last year we did a little thing called Found Footage February, and I liked it so much that we're gonna do it again. Yeah. So welcome to Found Footage February, where we talk about found footage. You can't see it, but I'm flailing around like Kermit the Frog. You look more like one of those noodle guys. <laughs> I love those noodle guys. I'm the guys. wacky waving inflatable. I'm flailing too, man. I gotta <laughs> stop doing that voice. Oh my god. <laughs> Marty will sometimes be possessed with um the ghost of a radio jockey a la Jimmy <laughs> Fallon and SNL or yeah, Wolfman so. Jack is what I think of. Yeah, Wolfman Jack is probably, they were probably parodying Wolfman Jack, but where I got that from, because I have no reference really for who Wolfman Jack is, uh, I watched Saturday Night Live as a child because my parents were like, eh, we're watching this, you can come watch it. <laughs> Marty, so. you really, based on your type, your type, you should look up photos of Wolfman Jack. <laughs> well, his name is Wolfman, so. Yeah, that's yeah. all I'll say about that. <laughs> uh, spicy meatball. Right. You can drag well, me, it's fine. I'm, I'm going to pivot us back to the topic at hand. So, um, we are here today to talk about Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Which is a found footage horror, I would consider it a horror comedy, horror yeah. parody yeah. from 2006. A mockumentary, I would call it. Yeah, yep. a mockumentary. Um, it's quite good. I yeah, like I really movie. like this movie a lot. It brings me a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. It, it makes I, me happy I because enjoyed this, it. This movie is like... I don't know if it's it's like if a slasher villain was also a theater kid. <laughs> I do the thing that is so standout about this film for me is the performance of Leslie Vernon. That yes. actor is chewing the scenery and leaving that, okay. no crumbs behind. He is so that is the excellent only movie he's in ever this role. Done. That is the only movie he's ever done. He has not been in really? anything else yeah, besides I Leslie him Vernon, up and he's like a producer on Deadliest Catch. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's amazing. Yeah, I'd love to know how he ended up in this movie, but he does an amazing job. Yeah, he's like he the best of, part of the whole thing. Do you think he thing. did it as like a? F- I wonder if the like co- creative team they like knew him and had seen him in other stuff or like had worked with him and they were friends and they were like, dude, you gotta be in our movie. You're perfect. You're so good at this stuff. And he's like, okay, I'll do it for you guys. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, but I, 
Um, he gave me kind of similar vibes to Joseph from Creed. <laughs> I was funny thinking that too. That. I was like, this guy would fucking love Joseph, and Joseph funny would fucking you say love that this guy. I've, I've drawn fan art of them hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> Can I pay you five hundred dollars for it? Uh, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> I will use that to pay rent. <laughs> um, Yay! Hooray! But yeah, so basically the premise of this film is that there is a grad student, Taylor, was that her name? I think so. Taylor, yeah. yeah. Um, Which, by the way, she played um, one of the sisters in Home Alone who called him incompetent before they all forgot his ass. Wait, Um, that was her? Yeah. (laughs) That was her. She was like, you're what the French call les incompetents. This was her last movie, actually. She passed away. Oh, Um, no. What? yeah that's really upsetting she I did not damn. Know is also really great in this movie loved her she's fantastic she definitely has like that classic horror final girl hero heroine vibe mm-hmm. and to me um, it felt like someone saw the razzie nominations of heather from blair witch project and got really mad and like wrote this role as like a fuck you this character's great actually and she's yeah. like a really badass film director. She's very smart. She's very um, compassionate. She's just, she's such a wonderful, warm character who like mm-hmm. isn't afraid to point out bullshit, but is yeah. also very like vulnerable and um, great. And I, I just loved her. Yeah, yeah, I love her a lot. I too. I always think about like if, if Leslie Vernon and Joseph from Creep hung out then sarah and taylor should hang out yeah (gasps) they would they they would be besties dare i say lesbians (laughs) question mark (laughs) (laughs) Um. and they would also have that very like soft kind of soft and like more grunge dynamic which i i adore like yeah they call Uh. it like a little orange cat is the vibe she gives me and then sarah gives me like a very cool purple dog if such yeah. a thing Purple dog. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, um, it's like black cat, orange cat, almost. Or like yeah. black cat, calico cat, maybe. This whole episode is just gonna be our fanfic of Creep 2 and Behind the Mask. <laughs> and you know what? Yes. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this, this film is set in a universe in which, like, slashers like they mention jason and michael by name and freddy krueger yeah like that slashers and not in a fictional context like this one references them as like real people yeah they're real people and that being a slasher is basically a career yeah and so our character taylor is making a documentary about leslie vernon who is an aspiring slasher Mm -hmm. and she starts out talking about this local legend of a little boy who was supposedly possessed by the devil and killed his own parents and then the townspeople threw him over a waterfall but he disappeared and turtles and, picked his bones yeah <laughs> and now he's coming back for revenge <laughs> and so um you're kind of given the scary story but then when you meet leslie he's just like a guy he's, he's like hey like, what's hey, up my name's leslie my he's I've like a, a character patch i wear like he reminds me of someone t-shirts. who would fit in <laughs> he would fit in perfectly on Parks and Rec. Like he's so yeah. friendly and yeah. warm, and he's outgoing, and he's got like, like he talks about his like murder plans, like he's planning a potluck. Like he's just so yeah. excited. But like this yeah. is like his life's work. Like mm-hmm. he is super hyped. He's been training for it and preparing. He does a lot of cardio. Um, he knows how to meditate to slow his heart rate yeah. down. And you find out mm-hmm. very early on that, like, that legend was all planted by him and, like, made up to mm-hmm. kind of give himself a backstory. Like, to really mm-hmm. make his story something unique. Yeah. So, like, within this universe, like, people need stories about good and evil. And so they make them real. And it's supposedly to inspire people to become heroes basically mm-hmm. so um, yeah he is he has selected a group of teenagers that are the ones he's going to kill and he mm-hmm. picked out one girl who's going to be his uh, this final girl in the movie they call it the survivor girl 
but essentially the same thing and he was like you know final girl just sounds better sorry leslie survivor girl just sounds like well uh, i wonder if they won a reality tv show contest (laughs) that's true but they it's interesting because it the people who wrote this definitely read or were forced to read carol clover in a film class of course because they talk about so much of the symbolism that is directly it's like literally just like a carol clover essay that they were like let's just take all of this and put it in a movie and explain it I wonder if they didn't want to use the term. They were a little, they were like, we probably shouldn't say that. We might get in trouble. But now everyone uses it. It's like a common term. So I don't know. I also don't know if that was a common thing in 2006 or not. Like, I don't know when the term final girl became popularly used. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, definitely the directors of this film are big horror fans. Like, this whole movie is just a love letter to horror. Mm -hmm. And all the characters... Specifically slashers, too. Yeah, Yeah. are named after different horror characters or horror actors. Mm -hmm. Kane Hodder shows up England is here, which I did a a double take when I saw his fucking name on the title cards. A lot of horror actors are in it, and so that's very fun. Um, So yeah, he's, he's... Leslie is selected... A girl who is, you know, he's like, oh yeah, she has to be a virgin. And like, he doesn't, he makes it clear. He's like, I can't predict what she's going to do. And he's like, you know, I may end up killing her. But I'm hoping that I inspire her to become the survivor. And to, you know, find strength in herself. And figure out that she can overcome evil. And Hashtag feminism. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's interesting... Meet- Oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, this is, it's actually something we can talk about later because there's a, a certain 2000s-ness that pervades mm-hmm. the movie that kind of gets almost under my skin, except for Leslie. Um, but we can talk about that later. Okay. Um, but yeah, you also are introduced to Leslie's best friends who are a married couple. One of them is a retired slasher heavily implied and that he's supposed to be billy from black christmas yeah i think his name is something else but yeah um, his name is is different but that's who it's supposed to kind of represent and you his find out- intro is fucking incredible because like mm-hmm. they oh yeah go like he, they talk about him meditating to lower his heart rate so people think mm-hmm. Like, after you killed the villain, oh, you think they're dead. But no, they've just meditated to slow their heartbeat down so much that you think they're dead. And then when they try to find him, his wife's like, oh, he's buried out back. And then I forgot about him. And then they have to go dig him up. And he's like, oh, I've been out for a couple hours. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For two days. That was great. It's Thursday. I love love, uh, Leslie's line delivery when he goes out there. He's like... It's Thursday. You didn't tell me he was out here for two days. Like, yeah, <laughs> the way he just I, says just it so is very like, cute. The dynamic between him and his wife is so cute. Yeah, and you find out later mm-hmm. on that she was his final girl, and mm-hmm. they fell in love, which I think is really cute. Yeah, it's it's um, a really because he's cute. talking about it. They're like, like remember uh, when you chased me, Bob? It's it's yeah, very Bob and Linda and, Belcher is the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, yeah, she was the fastest girl I'd ever seen, and she's like, yeah, but I still caught you, and like, <laughs> they're just teasing each other and being really cute, and yeah, like, there's, there's also one part if where you he, are um, a Walking Dead fan, uh, the actor who plays the um older slasher mentor, um, he played Herschel. For the first three oh. seasons of The Walking Dead, he had he grew big like Santa beard and was kind of the moral compass of the show for a while. Um, I'm trying seen to think the if Walking he was in. Dead. I will say he's fantastic in it. He his character brought me to tears many many times. His talent is undeniable. He's also in the movie uh, Monster with Charlize Theron. He's really oh, really good in that. Okay. Um, this actor is just phenomenal. Besides Robert yeah, Englund, I he loved- was the one I did a double take of. Um, he's really good. I loved yeah. him in this movie. Yeah. And I love I love his friendship. <laughs> he's got like he him. he has like this tiny little like frustration fit for a moment where he's like cutting vegetables and he's like chopping them really hard and then you look down and it's just like a pile of dust. <laughs> it's, yeah. really, it's really good. I love that part so much. Like I did not catch that the first couple of times I've watched this movie, but this last time I was watching it I was like, oh they zoom in on his vegetables. <laughs> yeah. I um 
so we kind of get this this background on Leslie, and he introduces all these other elements to the story. Like, he talks about how he's going to plant. He wrote a fake news article about his own backstory and about, like, this murder. And he planted it in the library where his survivor girl spends a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And And he took um, a picture of her and, like, put it through an AI filter to turn her into, like, this middle-aged man. (laughs) It's very silly. And so, um, but, uh, so the librarian is played by the lady from Poltergeist, Mm -hmm. the little lady. Oh, yes! Which is great. Yeah, I love the little um, librarian lady. She's like, so what I love about this is there are scenes in this movie, so... A lot of it is told in, like, documentary-style found footage format, but sometimes it will break out of that and go to, like, a traditional film style. So, mm-hmm. like, this one scene, it switches to the Survivor Girl's point of view, and it's, like... It's shot just shot like a regular as if, horror yeah, film. Yeah, as if it was just a regular mm-hmm. horror film, and there's dramatic music as, like, the librarian's telling her the backstory, and, like, here's the legend. My dear, it's just a story. Yeah. There's a moment... There's a moment where they what? even have a freeze frame and a rewind effect to kind of show mm-hmm. that you're very much in Leslie's POV and the story yeah. he's telling the documentary filmmakers in the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then Leslie shows up and he's picked out like this cool mask and his uh, it looks his like weapon a turtle. Is a scythe. <laughs> yeah, and oh my just... god, that's what that is because I love yeah. the mask design, but I didn't put together that it's turtle esque until yeah. literally right now. That's yeah, genius. so like well done. The mask is supposed to be a turtle, and he has a like scythe thing, um, and it's like all of these elements from his backstory that he's put together, basically. Because yeah. like he was it's a really iconic he also, look. He also has two pet turtles that he named after the dog and the cat from the Pet Cemetery movies. Yeah, yeah. One of them is Church, and the other one is Zoe. <laughs> yeah, and like he's just so affectionate with them, but also so soulless at the same. That's how yeah, I would he, describe him in total. He's so affectionate, but so soulless at the same time. Just like Joseph Creep. <laughs> True. Imagine. (gasps) Wow. Um, Guys who wear animal masks and carry bladed weapons and then they're also bubbly, but also there's nothing behind their eyes. Wow. Also, this is also the one time, besides maybe Joseph, where like I you know what? I kinda get it. He's kinda cute. He's not he's very respectful of uh Taylor. Which I also mm-hmm. like, like when she kind of like, yes, ands his murder plans where he's like, and then I go to the alley and then she's like, and then you drop the noise, right? And he's like, very good. Oh, you're so <laughs> smart. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. I he, get it. I think he just loves that like, after a while he can like get her like in on his plan. And so he's like, he's like enthusiastic that she's getting it. And so he's like, yeah, you you're doing it. You're playing into my plan. <laughs> yeah. so it's well, like, and also, he he's weirdly, he's, like, always apologizing, too, when he loses his temper. Like, when mm-hmm. he finds out they might be messing with the the final girl and trying to maybe warn her, he gets really upset. But then he's like, I'm sorry. I lost my temper. Let me chill out. Yeah. This yeah. is just really stressful time for me right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, he just wants to be so successful. Mm-hmm. And, you and he, know, he, as... As, like, a slasher villain, like, you kind of have to have this relentlessness to you. And so, like, I love that even though he's, like, kind of cheerful, bubbly, like, when he gets serious, he gets serious. Mm -hmm. And, like, it comes Mm -hmm. out of him. And, like, you can tell that that's what he wants to be doing. Yeah. And that really gives this movie stakes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he shows up and kills the librarian, and then he acts like, you know, he's going to attack his survival girl, but then Robert England shows up. Ta-da! Uh, he basically <laughs> his Ahab. He got playing, an Ahab! Yeah. He's playing Dr. Loomis from Halloween, basically. Yeah. Like that same archetype, which, mm-hmm. yes, we call... He's uh, called an Ahab. Ahab. So his goal is to hunt down the killer mm-hmm. and put an end to it. And so that's that's a really fun element of the story mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And Robert England is great. So fun to see him. Yeah, I he love commits so, so hard. Yeah. So there's like a scene later on in the like they go to a diner and he shows up and he's like kind of antagonizing them for following this girl around. He's like, "Who are you people? 
quit doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's when they um, learned and, that, like, his whole backstory is made yeah. up. Because this guy so, was his uh, therapist back in, where is he from? Reno or somewhere? He's yeah. from he's from uh, Reno, Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Leslie Vernon was uh, the name that he picked out. But his real name is Leslie Mancuso. And he's changed his name and moved out so that he can uh, start doing the slacker thing because, like, that's what he wants to do, basically, as his career. Um, there are uh, obviously people who oppose that kind of work, even though in this realm it's, like, sort of important. And, you know, it's because you're, like, murdering people and stuff like that. And it's, like, you have to stop people from murdering each other. It's very, like, um, how do I explain this? It's, like, um, like, there's a, you know, like, there's the Justice League and, like, the, uh, the League of Villains or whatever. And it's, like... They, it's basically business for them to be, oppose each other in some way, and it's kind of treated the same way in this movie, but it's more like a a grassroots type thing. There's no like, there's no like um, official business. It's just like something that you have to do because it's important for the culture. I think. Yeah. Yeah. The way they present it is very much an art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very like we have to do all of this stuff because it's in, like it's like theater basically, and we have to inspire people with ideas and stories. And if they're not real stories, then they don't really matter all that much. So they basically like go into it as like slasher stories are real, and we they have to play out because that way people will uh, like feel this sense of like. I don't know, like, empathy for each other and this, like, inspiredness from, like, the people who survived and, like, all this other stuff. Yeah, it's the same reason why people watch horror movies. Yeah. It's like, it, you know, it gives you that inspiration that you can see the survivor and know that you can overcome this, you know, mm-hmm. being scared. Yeah. And so I thought that's cool. And it's like, also... It's meta I without feel like... being oh. obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I was kind of going to piggyback off that where it feels very much to me kind of in that artistic lens, like this kind of pressure that maybe the filmmakers are reckoning with of like, now that we have deconstructed and understand this genre so thoroughly, especially in a post scream world, how do we be relevant? How do we be fresh, especially in the world with franchises? And I love the r- random discussions that are had on that, like, where the older mentor is, like, the reason why, like, Michael and Jason and everything is because they don't just have one big, giant, massive explosion of violence. It's about their longevity. It's about the fact that they mm-hmm. can't die and won't die um, and that how that can change the game. Um, and then it's interesting how Leslie's perspective seems to be mostly focused on the the counterbalance where it's not all about him it's about him creating an opposing force for himself that will equally match his energy, which is something I also believe in horror movies. And that sort of we came back around to of your horror villain is only as good as their final girl, really, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think Leslie believes that, too, and is really crafting that very well. Yeah. Yeah. I love his character so much because, like, they, like, make a point to be, like, oh, yeah, he's read, like, all of this literature. He's, like, in training. He, like, he he is a horror film nerd, basically, in our world. And he's also an actor. So, like, in a way, like, he's just, like, this, like, nerdy theater kid who loves horror. And I don't know. I like this a lot. I like yeah. him a lot. He's very silly. And I love him. Yeah. <laughs> He takes the film crew because we have Taylor and then I haven't mentioned it. She also has her two cameramen with mm-hmm. her and they end up being <sighs> part of the story too. Yeah. So he takes the crew out to where the farmhouse where he's going to stage this whole killing spree and he walks them through his plan. He's like, okay, so first uh, there's going to be a couple that goes up to the bedroom to have sex. And so I'm going to kill them first. And then you know, when these characters come up and find them, I know they'll react this way. So, like, he's talking about how he's gonna take the spark plugs out of their car so they can't get away. He's nailed all the windows of the house shut so they can't get out that way. Like, 
there's a upstairs window that leads to a tree and he pre-cut the branches of the tree so they'll break if someone tries to climb on them and like it's some real kevin McAllister shit he's thought of everything (laughs) it really is he's thought of everything He's talks mm-hmm. about the symbolism of like, yeah, and then at some point the girl's gonna go hide in the closet and he's like, but I can't go in there because it's a sacred space because the closet is the womb. The and this is about her When rebirth. he said that, I busted a gut. That was, because like, that is what the symbolism is and all the essays say. But when you say I'm it so out loud like that, it really does sound so fucking pretentious. It does. And he's talking about like the the weapon of the killer is a phallic symbol. And this is all the stuff from the Carol Clover of like, mm-hmm. yeah, when, mm-hmm. you know, she, when she runs through the woods, herself. it's the birth canal. Yeah. Yep. And she arms herself and that's her taking my manhood and using it to be strength. And like mm-hmm. talking about all this image, you know, this <laughs> phallic symbolism. Oh my I lo- God. Okay. I love, I love when he's joke. explaining this to her, to Taylor and, and she goes, so you're a chauvinist and pro-life. <laughs> that pro-life joke might be my so favorite good. joke in a horror movie. Because the dead silence and the when he looks into the camera, I fucking, that was so goddamn funny. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. It's so good. I, I, I will say, I don't know if I. So much. I don't know if I agree with the chauvinist take. I think the way he phrased it could have been better, but, you know, like. Yeah. Symbol, yeah. symbol wise, I mean, you know, I mean, he's just commenting on like something that's present in horror, which is just a wider conversation. It's like, yeah, there is that imagery of like the woman taking yeah. the phallic symbol, and like a lot of people do have problems with that. Of like, why does the phallus equal power? But. Mm-hmm. if you actually read the carol clover essays that's not really what she's saying she's more saying like horror is a way it's more to about the empathize. breakdown of gender and the kind of yeah, merging like it's of a way roles. to empathize yep. with a gender that maybe you weren't born as which is why i'm so obsessed with trans horror like yeah she equally talks mm-hmm. about like how possession stories are um stories of like are often stories about men having to understand what it feels like to be a woman. Mm -hmm. And like, and then the slasher is like often stories about women being put in the role of a man. And like, it's really more about like the empathy of like understanding someone else's experience, at least in my mind. I mean, I'm sure there is like probably some level of misogyny to it. Depend like, uh, you know, it could be misogynistic depending on how it's played in the movie. Mm-hmm. But like, personally, I think it's very interesting. Like, I think that just as a whole, like that concept is worth exploring and I wouldn't dismiss it as misogynistic right off the bat yeah. without examining it. That's how I feel too. Although I will say, and I'm, I'm going to bring up what I was talking about earlier there is a little bit of a level of, um, and this is kind of an effect of the 2000s, kind of that broy humor of, like, American Pie, where there's, like, a very intense close-up of boobs and mm-hmm. feeling boobs. And one of the cameramen is constantly, like, <laughs> yeah, she's hot. And then there's, like, an ups- upskirt shot of a I girl going there's up, two, like, five times. Two upskirt shots of the same girl, and it's, like, basically the same shot repeated. That was a little jarring to me. The rest of it, I kind of, like... It didn't really get to me that much because I was kind of like, oh, whatever. Like the zoom in on that girl's movie. chest was really okay. funny to us. She because... has like the like the most protruding nipples I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, um, it must have been freezing in there. I, I know. Freezing. I mean, like that's not a bad thing. Like you know, a lot people's nipples look different. Like that's it was just fine. like they it's zoomed like, in on it, and it was like, whoa. Zoomed, yeah, they zoomed in so much on that. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. But like we they were making did. jokes I mean, about how because yeah. uh one of our other jokes is that in the godfather apollonia's boobs look weird <laughs> so like we were like are these better or worse than apollonia's boobs? but like <laughs> outside of that like it i think that yeah i don't know i think this movie walks like a very delicate line of like kind of making fun of those tropes but also participating in them just a little bit yeah i feel like that's th- how i feel, I feel like, like i feel like the, the core times... of it it's heart is in the right place and i think it's saying some interesting things but there's like still that 
shadow over it of like you yeah. know the two teenage girls like calling each other bitch and whore and then the yeah. intense boob shot and then like you know yeah. the upskirt shots where it's just a- enough that i'm like oh this was made in the 2000s huh yeah <laughs> i feel like american I, pie in, in a way uh, like what are those the other we're supposed to be like parodying that kind of stuff but like there there's not really a way to parody like you know gratuitous panty shots unless you actually do them <laughs> like you know what i'm saying like you, you can't really like be like I oh think this it is depends. stupid without I think actually showing it you know it's it's hard because i think it's it, in those moments, it doesn't really feel like it's giving it enough of a twist for me yeah. to justify the yeah, gratuitous imagery. Yeah, they don't go imagery. far enough with it. It's just like, oh, this is ridiculous, so like, let's just add all this stuff in because why not? <laughs> it does need well, to go Well, I don't know about that. Like, I understand there. why it's there because it's, it's like you said, it's, it is both addressing the trope but also indulging in the trope. Yeah. And, like, I think that depends on your mileage of – and personal taste of, like, how we much does it work for you. Because, like, I'm not going to – yeah, well, and it's just it, – I think for me, I, I – it was just a little much, um, but it, it wasn't a deal yeah. breaker for me. I think if Leslie Vernon himself was a creep, I wouldn't be able to stomach it, but I love his character yeah. so much. And he and um, Taylor are the heart of this movie. And they are yeah. such well-developed characters that I I can, like, kind of understand and just kind of, like, get over myself with the yeah. other stuff and still enjoy the, the heart of this movie. The first half of the movie, you know, you just kind of hear these, like, offhanded comments from the guys with the cameras. Um, and you don't really see them. But, like, I feel like by the end of the movie, you kind of like them because they like Leslie so much. Yeah, well, especially the one guy gets such a great redeeming moment, which yeah. we'll touch on a little bit later, but, mm-hmm. um, like, yeah, I don't know. It, obviously, like, for the most part, like, I could give her, like, you know, give or take on those guys, but, like, the ending kind of makes it for me, because I do like their, the way that they play in, like, the very final scene. Yeah. Mm. That's I, I yeah, I think they give him a redemption um, to the point where I'm like... Yeah, sure, okay. But, like, I was just thinking about movies that have nudity that is kind of, like, subversive or powerful. And I was thinking of movies mm-hmm. like Revenge or Mandy uh, where yeah. you can tell, like, or- yes, they're still technically, like, objectifying her. But in a way where, like, the narrative is centered around – I think that's just me, a personal thing that just gets under my skin. So, like, I love it when, like, that's the point of the movie. And this was more, like, not necessarily the point but more of a side thought – and I think yeah. I would, I if if it's, since it's something so... Um, I feel like the other thing is, like, it's yeah. a tone thing, because, like, Mandy and Revenge are very, yeah, like, serious that's true. films. Um, whereas, like, Leslie Vernon, this is, this is a comedy, so, like, they're not gonna be, like... I wish they had gotten sillier with the boobs than, like, slap them I'd, around yeah. a little, make a little <laughs> smiley face, you know? Um, be like, whoa, think, your nips like, are huge! <laughs> Since we've been comparing this to Creep no 2, kidding. I do think Creep 2, like, handled that nudity so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like, you see yes. frontal, naked Joseph trying to freak out Sarah, but then she's, like, just not having it. And she's mm-hmm. like, okay, and she undresses too, but you don't see her body naked. Like, he zooms in on her face, because it's like, you're seeing it from his point of view, and he's, like, not even fixated on, oh, she's naked. He's fixated on, like, what the hell's going on in her head? Like, I've just met someone as crazy as I am. Yeah. And I always go back exactly. to that scene mm-hmm. as such a great scene of nudity in a horror film, because it's revealing things about the characters and their thought process. Yeah. Yes. Uh, where is not I, that a is exactly. I think you creep, put, but I could talk about creep all the time, all 24 <laughs> hours a day, seven which, days a week. Which I As do. you should, because thank you, Kai. I think you put uh, the nail on the head of why the nudity in this film bothers me. Is it's because it's serving mm-hmm. a trope, not a character, and mm-hmm. I, I'm just not as interested in that. And that's just a personal mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, yeah, I definitely respect that. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So here's where we get to kind of a turning point in the film. So. Taylor's with Leslie, and he does give her several chances to back out. He's like, hey, just so you know, like, I'm gonna be killing people, and, you know, you're filming this, so, like, that does kind of make you a part of it, 
So if you don't feel comfortable with that, you can leave. And she's like, no, no, I'm going to stay. And so she does. She's there hiding out in a closet while he kills the first two victims. And it like really freaks her out. And he recognizes this. And so he takes her outside and he's like, yeah, you need to leave. Like, you're going to ruin this. And, you know, this is my night. And Mm -hmm. I just need you out of here because it's clearly upsetting you. And I don't want you to do anything stupid. Mm -hmm. Well, before all this, I also love the scene where he's putting the, the makeup oh, on. Oh, yeah. You see him, like, put on his makeup and his mask so, like, and he's preparing. he's got, like, this, like, flame-repellent makeup stuff that he, like, has put on his face so that, like, if something catches on fire or if he catches on fire, then, like, he won't get burned. Um, and he's, like, got these, like, dark circles on his face. And he's basically painted his face to look like his mask so, so for some reason. And he starts like crying about how happy he is, and he's like, "I forced." It's so actually hard for kind this, of a that moment happening. is so interesting to me because she holds it's his so, hand while like, he's crying. Yeah, and he like, she's like, "You love this girl, don't you?" He's like, "I love the idea of her," yeah. <laughs> which is and more emotionally like, mature than a lot of men. So, like, yeah. well yeah. done, Leslie. <laughs> kudos um it's like super interesting mm -hmm. i i just like love this scene because it feels like it really does like feel like a a theater kid who has like worked so hard to get the lead role in a play and he's like so excited about it that he starts crying before he gets on stage well it's it's interesting to me (laughs) because it's it's also about something bigger than just him like he is so proud of what he's done to get to this point but he's like he doesn't really care if he comes out, like, killing everybody or dying at the end of the night. He just wants to know that he made an impact, it seems. Like, he yeah. was able to forge this experience for like, this final such girl. a wonderful story, and I hope it goes well, and I hope it inspires her. And he's, like, so proud of himself and everything around him that he's, like, helped, like, create and... Oh, yeah. he's so cute what doesn't kill you <laughs> makes you stronger stand a little taller that's when they drop the fucking <laughs> Britney Spears this is not song. they slash them this is not they slash them <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, good callback good callback yeah <laughs> So we do get this turning point where he leaves Taylor and the cameraman outside and they're at the van getting ready to leave. But Taylor's like, I just don't feel good about this. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like actually like I do need like, you know, I feel bad about just standing by and filming while this guy's going on a murder spree. And she's like, I'm going to go in and warn everyone Mm -hmm. and then we can leave. And so she and the cameraman go in to try to like, tell the other teenagers to leave and escape before it's too late mm-hmm. but um well first of all the filmmaking style changes mm-hmm. at this moment and i love this. they turn the cameras it, off and it immediately switches yeah. to like a regular slasher film. yeah it switches from and it goes very seamlessly too like mm-hmm. yeah, the performances are carried that. over very well yes like that different stylistic representation of like these characters were observers like they were the audience but now they have put themselves in the film Mm -hmm. and i i you know i don't know how like if this film was trying to be that deep but for me watching it i i'm like oh yeah like that's you know symbolic of like the audience inserting ourselves into this because like in a way and there's been a lot of essays, Carol Clover writes about this too, that like horror films can play with this idea of the audience being complicit in violence, like especially the horror films that break the fourth wall and kind of point this out. Um, mm-hmm. Funny Games is a great example of like mm, yes. cover funny films games that are kind of about point. how like the audience having this voyeuristic tendency it kind of, you know, points out like, hey, you know, just so you know, like you're participating in this and you have to grapple with that. Um, so I feel like that style change is kind of like saying like they're inserting the audience into the story. And mm-hmm. and you can look at it both ways. Like you can look at it as, yes, like the audience, because they are getting joy out of this scenario, that does make them kind of almost complicit in the violence in a way. But then on the other side, you can say, well, 
the audience feels relate like they relate to these characters and you know you as the audience feel like you have survived an ordeal along with the final girl mm-hmm. and it can make you feel stronger and empowered and that's the joy of horror and i i feel like this film really captures both of those those themes mm-hmm. and i think it's really cool because i do think horror is a double-edged sword in that way that like some there are some horror films that i think go too far and take a little too much joy in like nastiness and um Eli Roth. sometimes that's fun but yeah sometimes, sometimes it, it is fun it yeah it just it's a very hard line to walk and mm-hmm. it's not very clearly defined and it's you know just something that you as an audience member kind of have to reckon with mm-hmm. and um you know and then there's the positive side of it where like it can foster empathy especially if you're the kind of person who is really um naturally you know prone to empathy and like it's it's complicated i mean there's just Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways to look at it and so i feel like i really like what this film does with that yeah and so that style shift is just oh i loved it Mm -hmm. so yeah also on a different less um really well-spoken level i feel like it also kind of goes on to a certain like i don't know genre level of it felt like they were they were breaking down how the genre worked to people who may have been outside observers. And it's almost like convincing your friend to like give horror a shot and see the value in these signs and symbols. And the moment the style changes, they're committing to the genre in a way. They respect it now. It's like a tutorial on how to understand a horror film and what certain things represent within the horror film. And then being like, now we're going to throw this at you and let's see if you know what you let's see what you learn yeah (laughs) it's Um, great and like that's kind of like what a document like the documentary part is supposed to be because it's like an inform like informative of what is going on and then they switch it over and it's like now you understand and like you can participate in this and like be in that headspace and it's good i love this yes it's so cool. I'll be so honest, Taylor's when we started this, there was a part of me that couldn't get over the meta-ness, but now that we're mm-hmm. talking about it and I'm thinking back on it, I do really respect this movie cuz like it knows its shit and it's mm-hmm. committing to what it's doing and commenting on the format and it's commenting in a very intentional way. I don't know if that mm-hmm. sentence made sense or it was just pretentious, but I like it. I think yeah. they've thought about the horror movies and they have a respect for horror movies and they they just demonstrated that love very well. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Um, um, so like let's let's get deeper into this ending because we haven't even like touched oh, so anything good. in it yet. So Taylor and the cameraman, they decide to go in and warn the teens, but in doing so they become part of the story and mm-hmm. they soon realize that Leslie has – because then, like, he's told them his whole plan, mm-hmm. but then things start happening out of order, and, like, it's not the same. As and, like, Kelly's not even them. a virgin. Yeah, yeah, no, they, like, um, walk in, and she's, like, having sex with this guy and, like, whipping her shirt around. And, yeah, like, and they're like, oh, she's definitely not a virgin. Yeah, she's not right. She's not a virgin. She's riding cowgirl on the nerdy boy <laughs> like it's a pogo stick, is what they say. And... So then you kind of realize that Leslie has adjusted his plan to compensate for Taylor. Like he kind of knew that she might end up doing this. And well, he, I think he planned it from the start and that's why he, he invited her Mm -hmm. in to like, get to know her better, see if she was a good candidate for this. And then she ends up being his survivor girl. And it's so good. It's so good. And when you look back, there is a moment where, after it is revealed that he's been lying about his backstory, that she almost leaves the project. Mm -hmm. And they give her an opportunity to either leave or come back and finish. And there's a moment where she comes back to him and says, we are going to finish. And you just see this wash of relief on his Mm -hmm. face and this like hope in his eyes and at first you think it's like oh he feels like such a special boy and then you realize later it's like no it's because he wants her so badly to be this person he wants her to be 
And this is yeah. just one step closer for him getting that goal. And then you see her in the moment behaving just like a survivor girl would. She's like sending directions and telling people, hey, we can't do this or he's going to be there or we need to arm ourselves. Like she is a very active person in that moment. And also there is mm-hmm. one line that I absolutely adore that I feel like I am in right now in my life where um, they're talking about like Kelly's there. She's the survivor girl. She'll tell him what to do. And she just yells at him of like, Todd, she's 17. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I love so, like, that. I love that. They're running around, you know, like they end up in the uh in the barn at one point and well, there's also the scene where the one cameraman like purposely runs off to go distract Leslie and like basically sacrifices himself mm-hmm. to save the others. He's so, like, like I know that he's going to end up chasing me. And he's like, that's fine. He's like, okay, come and get it. Like, come here. And Yeah, and then, like, you know, Leslie is so serious about this. He's in slasher mode, and he's, like, you know, he's got this guy pinned down. He's, like, choking him, kind of. And uh, and this guy's like, Leslie, it's me. You know me. We're, like, buds, right? And, like, he's not letting up at all. He's just, like going at it and it's like that's how seriously he takes us he's not gonna break character for anybody like to the point that he actually does kill this guy (laughs) and it's like yeah it's like really sad but it's also like it's it's like he has a strict code about how things have to work and if he breaks that then he breaks you know everything about this story that he has set up and you know like Going back to like all of you know all of slasher history, you never ever ever see a slasher be like hesitating to kill somebody. At least in a classic slasher movie, you never see them hesitate to kill somebody, like even if they know them. Like, and when they do, that's know. when they they drop. Yeah. Like I think in yeah. the second, I haven't seen it, but I believe in the second Friday the Thirteenth movie, she like pretends to be his mom and he hesitates and that's the moment she takes him down so i think he knows yep. from that prior knowledge of like if i slip out of character for one second it's all over and it's almost yeah. like a respect thing in his mm-hmm. mind i think where he gave them uh, the opportunities to turn around and leave and now yeah, that they've like, committed to this format he's like then i'm going i'm committing you're committing everybody here is committed and we're doing not this to, not to be like oh this is you know sexual but it is sexual in a way in that like this is kind of a bdsm circle and everyone there basically has in some way or another agreed to be in in this circle and to partake in what is fixing to happen it's like an extreme you know example but like it is you know well, because like you said, it is theater. Yeah, and it's so, it's like, theater. Mm, it's like mm-hmm. you are take you are playing a role, and if you, you know, you were given the choice to opt out and you didn't, so you're in it now. Like, <laughs> yeah, you dove into the belly of the beast. There is no mm-hmm. going back. There is only you're in yeah. the the birth canal. You either get born or you don't. Right. Or you you uh die a swimmer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um so we have our um oh the the Ahab character, the the Dr. Loomis. Yeah, Robert England shows up. Yeah, he does end Oh but and they hit him up. in the face with a shovel, which yeah. is always gonna make me laugh. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of characters do end up getting picked off one by one, mm-hmm. but we get our final confrontation between Taylor and Leslie. Mm-hmm. And like he chases her into the work shed and work shed, um, work shed. Yeah, like, <laughs> her. I love that she takes off his mask. She's like, I want to see your face, and um, she ends up like reaching up. His scythe is like on his belt. And she reaches up and grabs him and stabs him with his own scythe. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a very, very um, traditional kind of slasher. Men defeat. get pegged. <laughs> and, and, and then 
It's great because I was so – you could tell the filmmakers were also excited about it because earlier oh, he's yeah. showing her to this apple cider pl- press and she's like, what's that for? And he's like, oh, this is special. And then she uses the apple cider press to crush his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in his last moments he says, Taylor, I knew you were the one, I think is what he says, or I hoped you yeah. were the one or something. I think he said, I knew you were the one. And it's, like, weirdly mm-hmm. romantic. Yeah, it is. It's really it's really interesting. Like, you kind of mm-hmm. do get the sense that they have this romantic connection. But mm-hmm. it's also, like, something else. It's, like, it's also, like, that primal, like, good versus evil feeling of, like, yeah. they're each other, like, mirrors of each other. Like, it's like it's really It's cool. all worked out in this way in which... You know, good has triumphed over evil, um, and then you also get this like fulfilled connection, and um, and you know the serial killer equivalent of pegging is happening here. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. well, and then she I crushes his do, head like, with the I press. Mean, for as much as they talk about like phallic imagery, the press is like the opposite. Like that's the yonic imagery. Yeah, no, it's like so yeah, which they do bring up yonic imagery too, and I was yeah. like, yeah. I do love yep. that she ends up defeating him with that. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Kind of subverting mm-hmm. the tropes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mm-hmm. to top it all off, she lights him on fire. Yeah, she like pours gasoline on him and like sets this whole like work shit on fire and then runs out. Yeah, so we have her. Yes, surviving. two other moments. And, and then oh, you have. Yeah. I do want to <laughs> bring moments? up before all of this went down. There are two moments that really stand out to me. One is there's a moment where. Uh, not Kelly, because Kelly has died. Uh, but there's another girl who goes up to her, and she's like, so you're the final girl, right? Because she's, like, figured it out, because, like, Kelly mm-hmm. wasn't a virgin, and she's not a virgin, she's so like, she's like, it's, it's gotta you, be you. isn't it? Yeah. And there's a moment and, like, where she, like, grabs her, and she's like, I need you to tell me what happens to me. And I don't know if it's the performance or just the acknowledgement that we rarely get of, like, the other women in horror movies who, like, the he- Helen Shivers in um, I Know What You Did Last Summer or Casey mm-hmm. in Scream who are like there and throughout the plot but you know they're not going to survive and just giving yeah. them that glimpse but like, I think that's the thing that spares them that tragedy is they don't know that so like they mm-hmm. can kind of go blissfully about their lives until they die but this one it just really hit me that like when they know they're going to die no matter what that's so fucking brutal when you think about yeah. it. And then the other one yeah. was less um, impactful, but it was kind of funny or dumb. I don't know what it was. The other camera guy, like, stands between uh, Taylor and Leslie, and he's like, I love her, man. And then Leslie just knocks him against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Very silly. Um, I also love the end where, like, Taylor has, like, you know, she's, like, gone all feral because she's just, like, defeated Leslie. And then you have uh, you have Robert England come up and, and she's like, what is he? And he's like, he's just a man. Yeah. <laughs> We're just normal very... men. We're just, just innocent, innocent men. men. <laughs> <laughs> that is very classic horror movie. Yeah. So we do. Well, it's funny because Halloween ends with like he's the boogeyman or he's the devil, and this guy's like, nah, he's just he's from he's from Nevada. That's what they do. Yeah, he's from Reno. He's He's a guy. He's a freak from Nevada (laughs) who wants to kill people because it's important for his theater career. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, But then you get the the credits scene. So first of all, they're playing the song "Psycho Killer" by the talking genius. Ten out of ten. Like. Mm-hmm. black and white surveillance camera footage of the morgue and mm-hmm. you see like the morgue worker with leslie's dead body who is also played by kane hodder so you have kane hodder at the beginning playing the neighbor who lives in freddie's house and then you have him at the end they never show his face at the end but he's playing the uh the um the mortician in the in credits yeah. is like hey i know that guy I at least know the back of his head. <laughs> yeah, and then Leslie, like, sits up yeah. while he has his back turned. So he's, he survived. He survived it. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And he's alive. the director of this film has considered making a sequel. Yeah. So I, that I would kind be of interesting. would want Taylor to be in it, though, mm-hmm. but knowing that 
that yeah maybe that's why it's been so long yeah yeah he has reprised his role as leslie vernon um in the dead meat kill count yeah that's right Mm mm-hmm Oh my god, I haven't actually watched the Dead Meat Kill Count for this one. I yeah, think because I had so. heard, because I was actually the one, uh, not to take all the credit, but I really wanted to watch <laughs> this one because I hadn't seen mm-hmm. it, but I had heard so many people talk about it, and it oh, to yeah, the point where it was almost mythic status. A mm-hmm. Yeah, but it still felt a little more, um, it wasn't as mainstream as like the big dogs, like, um, you mm. know, Michael and Freddie and Chucky. They they even bring up Chucky. Chucky is yeah. real in this universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just really liked this movie a lot. It's yeah. funny. It's, you know, I actually cared about the characters. And it's incredibly it's got- informative on film theory. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just honestly, good- yeah. I, I I do feel like it was successful in like being meta and not being obnoxious about it. Yeah. Um they like know that it sounds ridiculous, so they like lean into it a little bit, even yeah, though it works. It's just the writing was pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Like I just really enjoyed it. And um mm-hmm. I, I think I was I, on the line about it, but after talking about it, I really feel swayed in its favor now. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it also i think it's like underrated and um yeah it's incredibly underrated and if you like watch this movie and you're like i really want to see more of this character i would say look up the dead meat kill count and just like if you don't want to watch all of it just like scrub to the end because it has like a little like thing where uh leslie vernon shows up and he's like explaining a few extra things about film theory and like some things that happen um that like gets talked about like within the the video it's cute it's cute yeah and um obviously (laughs) if you loved this movie and if you couldn't tell from our discussion you would love creep and creep too um i think you would also love cabin in the woods scream of of course like this definitely belongs in the pantheon of like really good meta horror Mm -hmm. mm-hmm yeah I wouldn't even say creep is kind of a meta horror. It's more subtle about it, but it is like, it's like kind of showing like, oh, hey, at any moment, this person could just walk away. But it's more about like, it's an experiment in what happens when people stay. Yeah. Well, especially creep too. I think yeah. it's more, mm-hmm. leans more into that. Yeah. Um, For sure. Yeah. Good movie. Love Leslie Vernon. Love creep. Yeah, I love getting to talk about it, too. Not like I say like it in every episode. <laughs> I really enjoyed hearing both of your thoughts. Yeah. And, um, what a great way to kick off Found Footage February. Hooray! Found Footage February! February. Yeah. yeah! And thank you, Hannah, for suggesting this. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad we got a chance to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah, it's me too. Fun. And I loved, I I love horror movies that generate also positive discussion, because sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I'm trying to find something to like despite the film rather mm-hmm. than like having a genuine like – I feel like I myself am going through the birth canal. And when I'm out, <laughs> I'm like, I like this movie. And then I am born. <laughs> and you're born. Covered in fluid. Mm. <laughs> mm, apples. Covered in, anyway. I've come out of the birth canal covered in blood like a newborn babe. Yes. And I look to my yes. left and I look to my right. How did I get here with a beautiful house <laughs> and a beautiful <laughs> wife? I've lost the plot. I'm sorry. Anyway, the point is thanks for doing Found Footage February. Talking. Thank you guys for watching this movie with me. I love you guys. I love you too. Let's kill each other and film it. No, I'm uh, <laughs> no, no, let's save that for a few years down the road. Yeah, we have too many podcast episodes to do. No, it's it was just a suggestion. We don't have to do it. You know, it's just a joke. It's just a joke, y'all. We'll, we'll put a pin in it. We'll pin we'll in a, that. We'll put a pin in it. <laughs> uh, well. Thank you, as always, to our wonderful audience for tuning in. Um, If you want to hear more from us, you can find us on social media. We're Chainsaw Matinee on Twitter, Tumblr, uh, TikTok, TikTok, all the T's, and then Instagram. (laughs) 
Um, we you can also spell have- tit with two T's at the end. <laughs> T-I-T-T. We also have a Patreon. And we greatly appreciate any money that's thrown our way that helps us keep the show running and keep our bellies full and roof over our head. So, yeah. We're um, struggling, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Um, These are two talented we- artists. And this, if they will make more talented things that you will love when you well, give them money. You, you too. Yeah. You, you get some of this money artist. too. I'll take some. As a little treat. <laughs> <laughs> as a little treat so um yeah thank you as always and stay tuned we'll be back with more found footage very soon until then may your nightmares be plentiful the turtles picked his bones clean <laughs> that line read was legit so good am I not <laughs> turtly enough for the turtle club <laughs>